0: Welcome to the full minded with Elisabetta podcast, where my mission is to normalize the human experience. I believe there's power in authenticity and building a community immersed in it. I plan on bringing you on an in depth and transparent journey of my life through solo episodes. I will also be interviewing a range of individuals who are willing to share their unique stories. On this podcast, we will dive into topics such as mental health, heartbreak, loss, change, trauma, self-love, and every other topic that makes up the human experience. While I do my very best to provide you insight and knowledge on these subject matters, this podcast is not a substitute for professional help. I am not a licensed therapist. I am simply a human sharing my experiences with the intent to help people feel less alone. If you are suffering, please consult with a licensed professional. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy the episode. On today's episode, I am joined by guest Morgan McLeod, who shares very vulnerably her experience with domestic violence. She was with her partner for a couple years, and we go into detail in this episode about what the abuse looked like, why she stayed, how she decided to leave, how she coped after she did get out of the relationship, and where she's at today, almost two years later. This episode is very vulnerable, very real. There was a lot of tears shed on my end. Um, but I just wanted to preface this with a trigger warning. Make sure you're in a good headspace before you tune into this episode. It's a very, very powerful one. And, you know, please share it with your friends afterwards. I think there needs to be more awareness surrounding DV. And we hope you enjoyed the episode. Hi, guys. Welcome back. Today, I am here with Morgan McLeod, and I am truly honored to have her as a guest. She has agreed to share her experience with domestic violence and I know this topic is quite heavy, so please make sure you're in a good headspace before listening. So, without further ado, I'm going to give Morgan the floor to introduce herself and tell us a little bit about who she is. Morgan, welcome, and how are you?
1: Hey, everyone. Um, Alyssa, thank you so much for inviting me to be such a part of um, an impactful project. Um, I'm Morgan. I'm 25 years old, and I live in Houston, Texas. Although I'm hardly I'm hardly home. I travel most of the time. <laughs> You do love your
0: travel, don't you?
1: (laughs) I do. I do. I actually started traveling um, as a coping mechanism, to be completely honest.
0: I honestly feel like that would have helped a ton. Just having come back from my own solo experience, I feel like that changed my life in the best way. Like that was such a freeing experience. So I can only imagine how cathartic that would have been for you after what you've been through.
1: Absolutely, it's definitely very liberating for sure. Um, you know, as Alyssa mentioned, I am a survivor of domestic violence. So as you can imagine, I was going through one of the hardest times of my life. Um, I had previously done previously done a solo trip before the relationship ended, and I just fell in love with um, how much I learned and how liberated it made me feel. Um, it's funny, my entire life, I'd always considered myself more of an introvert, but solo travel taught me that I'm actually very extroverted. Um, (laughs) so I decided to just just kind of push myself out of my comfort zone and use travel to fuel my healing journey. It kind of served as a great distraction from all the trauma and grew me as a person.
0: Yeah, I know. That's amazing. Honestly, um, So I guess, yeah, let's dive into this, honestly. So for those of you that don't know, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Morgan and I. So we met via social media back when I was living in Houston, and we just connected over trauma, actually. Um, You had reached out to me from just like (laughs) blog posts and things that I've shared and saying that you were inspired by them and connected to them. And then I remember seeing your TikTok video that went viral with your story about domestic violence and with the partner that you were with. And I remember just like my heart broke in two for you. And I, I didn't even really know you other than the few exchanges we'd had. But I immediately reached out to you and was like, oh my god sis like first of all how are you doing second of all i'm so fucking proud of you for being so vulnerable and putting that out there because that's not easy it is not easy to do on the internet is not always a welcoming and warm place like there can be a lot of hate that gets thrown at you so and just telling your story in general just being that vulnerable you know it's hard for people to do it with their own friends and family or with themselves let alone the whole world right so I think that was where we definitely first connected and then from there we've kept in we've kept in contact and then it was just recently that I was like would you ever want to tell your story on my podcast because I don't know the story personally like I don't know the details of it I just know the contents of what was shared on that TikTok video that went so viral so I'm actually learning today about like what you've been through and your entire experience so I'm very curious and and ready for it whenever you're ready to tell us, if you wanted to maybe give us (laughs) an overview of your relationship, you know, how it started, where you met this individual, and how long you were together for, maybe we could start there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, So starting out, the relationship was an absolute fairy tale, And he completely swept me off my feet. All my friends and family loved him. He was just so charming. Um, There were even times where I found myself praying and thanking God for him, um, which I'm not a big prayer, so that's big for me. Um, It just kind of felt like we were the same person. And he seemed to be very goal-oriented, which is super important to me when I date. Um, We ended up moving in together after just six months of dating. Um, And then he proposed to me a couple months after that. So I obviously know it is batshit crazy to say yes so soon, but I just felt so certain that he was the man for me.
0: Yeah, no, that. I mean, that's fair. I feel like love bombing is is intense. Do you feel like it was love bombing that he was kind of giving you at the beginning of the relationship?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, And I know I I briefly mentioned how it felt like we were the same person. Well, therapy Mm -hmm. taught me that he was actually mirroring me. So anything that I did, yeah, he would mirror it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's I've learned about mirroring. And I feel like that's very fascinating and so scary in this day and age, too. Especially with social media, where you can learn so much about people or women or specific individuals you can just, you know, follow all of this relative content, learn almost to be like better at luring people in. You know what I mean? So it's like it's scary out there and I've definitely had my fair share of experiences with love bombing. Um so I understand how head over heels, you know, you can be pulled and how swooning it is and you just cuz we all really love the idea of this fairy tale life right like Disney has sold us this dream of how it's supposed to be and what it's supposed to look like so any signs of that I think it's really fair you know your situation that you fell that quickly that sounds like something I would do <laughs> honestly <laughs> like if I'm like okay obviously right for me for sure let's fucking do this why wait you know um But yeah, so you were, you said you were together for six months, and then he proposed. And then how long were you engaged for before you got married?
1: We were engaged for about, um, I would say about a year and a half. So he proposed on the eighth month of dating, um, just two months after we moved in together. And, um, you know, a lot of people ask me, when, when did I realize it was time to leave? Um, And I think, I think I knew from early on, I just kind of refused to accept it. Um, I would say my first realization that this is not the fairy tale that I thought it was, um, was when I had found out he was cheating. Um, I didn't get angry or even cry in front of him. I kind of just like sat him down calmly and I said, hey, you know, I know everything. I'm going to go ahead and leave, but let's figure this out. Um, you know, let's handle these living arrangements so we can both kind of come out of this successfully. And I was honestly super sweet about it. I was giving him reassurance that I'm not resentful and I wished him the best. Mm -hmm. Um, But then he kind of started just like hyperventilating and ended up locking himself in the bathroom, um, claiming that he was going to kill himself. And um, I mean, I still loved him. And I did lose some friends from suicide in the past. And so I definitely did not want that to happen. Of course. yeah. Yeah. And so... Now I began hyperventilating and I was like trying to break down the door to save him. Um, And I ended up with bruises. Like I was really throwing my body against that door. And I was like begging and pleading, just, you know, open the door. Like, let Mm -hmm. me help you. Please don't do anything. Um, I don't think he realized I was going to be strong enough to open the door. But when I finally got it open, he was so surprised. He was sitting there on the floor, on his phone, and I could clearly see his screen and that he was just like scrolling the TL on Twitter. And um, that was the biggest mind fuck because, you know, Um, I I didn't even know how to process it. I don't even know how to process you telling me my jaw
0: is like wide open. That's fucked
1: it was, it was just like, I didn't know how to react. Like you're, I'm crying and begging for you not to kill yourself. And you're just casually looking at memes on Twitter, you know, like, what is that? Oh <laughs> um,
0: my God.
1: Yeah. And just like, that was kind of the first time, um, you know, I realized like, wow, what's it, what the hell did I right. get myself into? Yeah.
0: Right. Right. Oh, that's heavy. Babe. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, and then, you know, he kind of tried to, um, he softened the blow by opening up about his like childhood. And um, that was kind of his way of sucking me back in is because, okay. um, you know, I take that stuff very seriously. And, mm-hmm. you know, he made all these big promises and plans to change and get help. Um, I knew he was struggling. So I wanted to be a good wife, or a good fiance and kind of push through with him. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, because I have lost friends in the past to suicide and I have family members with mental illness, I really felt the need to be there for him. Um, and this was like one of the first offenses. So I was like, OK, hopefully it's only up from here. But um, unfortunately, the rest of the relationship just ended up being a cycle that kind of got worse and worse like with each repetition. Um it like would be amazing for a month and then something just really bad and traumatic like that would happen again and it would just kind of repeat itself. Um so yeah, I mean I knew pretty early on that this was not a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. Um I I'd have people telling me all the time how perfect our relationship seemed and that we were a couple goals. Uh, but they truly had no idea what was happening behind closed doors. Um, there were many times where I wasn't even able to get treatment for my injuries when the abuse got pretty bad. So I'd literally just have to pretend like I didn't have them when I was doing my day-to-day things in public. Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty tough, you know. One of my, uh, one of my most vivid memories was um, attending a dinner with my best friend. We were planning my bachelorette party. And by then the abuse was at its all time high. It was at its peak, Uh, but I was hiding it from her and everyone else at the time. And my sweet little friend, she was so excited. Um, She was sharing all of her ideas for the wedding. When she came to the house to pick me up, she had flowers and all kinds of cute wedding favors. Um, And any normal person would have just felt so loved and thankful to have such a genuine person, you know, who's so invested. but as I like sat across from her and just watched her speak about, you know, her eyes are lighting up about all these ideas. All I could think about was how I didn't deserve any of that. You know, I almost felt sick, as if I was being fake to her. Um, but nonetheless, it was a it was a great night, and it felt so good to be around such positive energy. Um, mm. But then, like the moment I walked back into my house when I went home from dinner. I felt like I was walking back into prison. It's like I immediately knew it was time to walk on eggshells again and be submissive. And I'm not even sure what caused the terrible fight that ensued after, um, but I do know that that night ended in me being, trigger warning by the way, <laughs> uh, me being beat so badly. I thought for sure that I was going to die that night. Um, there was a point where I was on the ground and he was on top of me just going ham and I felt no physical pain. I obviously knew there was, there was blood everywhere. I mean, I knew I was getting hurt, but I, I felt nothing. Um, like my vision started going black and I just remember thinking, you know, this is it, I'm dying tonight. And I felt zero fear in my heart. It was actually the most peace I felt in a long time because I was so ready to accept it and i mean i was kind of devastated when i woke up you know and the crazy thing about all of this is that i did not even realize it was an abusive relationship at that point um i had just kind of normalized you know hiding injuries and isolating myself um my youngest brother even cried to me because he was so scared for me and he never cries um i kind of just let my fiance convince me well he was my husband at the time i let him convince me my brother was crazy Um, I really didn't see how bad it was until the very end when we had gotten married by then we had a house in Houston and, um, we had gotten back together after separating for a few months. I was starting a new job. I started on a Friday, um, but we're hybrid. So no one works in the office on Fridays. And by the time Monday rolled around, I had a broken nose, bruises all over my face, neck, hands. And of course, since that was the first day I was in the office with everyone, I was like paraded around and introduced. And I just remember everyone's eyes like giving me that look because I can't hide these type makeup could not hide that, you know? And so I think, uh, my wake up call was after two weeks of working there, HR called me in the office and offered me safe housing in an apartment building that they owned, um, And so I think that was just the biggest thing for me, because I always keep my personal and business life very separate. So -hmm. when I saw my colleagues stepping in, I was like, oh, shit, this is bad. I need to leave.
0: (laughs) Wow. Okay. first of all, I have not stopped crying. I am so, so sorry that you endured that, Morgan. That is absolutely heartbreaking to hear. Um, And I'm sure other people who have also you know experienced this type of abuse it's just very relatable and very painful um, to even think about that's that's fascinating and interesting to me that your brain just kind of shut off during the abuse like that you weren't able to feel any pain like I assume your brain just kind of went into shock to protect you um but that is that is so so devastating and so heartbreaking and I'm so sorry you endured that wow I'm like trying to catch yeah, my breath. Yeah, Um, you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then so when your work stepped in, so what did that look like? So they offered you safe housing. And then did you end up taking that or what, what did that look like from there on?
1: I did. Yeah. And I mean, gosh, can you just imagine how thankful I was? I mean, that's, that's incredible that I had that resource because most women are not that lucky. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, after I left, it was not linear at all. Um, Mm -hmm. I ended up going back to him a few times very briefly and each time was just so much worse than the last. Um, we finally cut ties and went no contact and it was the deepest pain I had ever known. Um, I questioned myself as like, was I a bad wife for not staying? Um, but by then I think he didn't want the relationship either. I mean, I wasn't attractive anymore. I had no sense of self. He would look at me and I was just a reflection of, of him and his worst qualities, you know, and I was anxious and crying all the time. So of course, no man wants that. So he kind of just like, um, we, we ended it and he discarded me, um, the moment he realized he had kind of sucked me dry and, um, I will say that the no contact was, was essential, you know, um, yep. and it made me realize I had dedicated my life to, to basically serving him, you know, before mm-hmm. I ate, I made sure he ate, I put his needs above mine for so long. And so I think the worst part about leaving and doing that no contact was just having all that free time. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the, the exit was sometimes harder than the relationship itself, um, you know, I didn't know how to use that same amount of energy I gave him on myself. So, um, you know, th- my process afterwards, I-, I went like a little downhill at first. Yeah. I-, I was so desperate to find things to occupy my brain. So, you know, mm-hmm. I-, I buried myself in work and travel, um, and even picked up painting, you know, and it all served as a great outlet, but no matter you know, how busy I made myself, there was nothing I could do to escape the emotion that I felt. Um, so I eventually had started going out. Now that I had the freedom to do so, yeah. and um, I kind of just started kind of drinking heavy or drinking heavily, excuse me, mm-hmm. and started doing a lot of drugs. Um, and I just was kind of using those drugs to numb my emotions. You know, there was a long period of time where I wouldn't leave my apartment for days at a time. I'd be in bed when I, unless I needed to use the restroom. Um, my place was a constant mess and I'd literally have to motivate myself just to take a shower. All I wanted to do was sleep, you know? And um, sure, at that time I had, I had stopped living my life to serve him, but then my life kind of became a constant battle of just trying not to feel anything. Um, mm-hmm. And that went on for a good while, but little by little, you know, I began to heal and get my sense of identity back. A brand new one, a much stronger, smarter, and more divine persona. Um, and I'm very proud of the person that I am today. You know, of course, I still struggle, you know, and have those days where I don't want to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. But I'm very self-aware. And I'm continuing just to learn how to navigate the highs and lows that come with this type of trauma. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's been a lot. It's been quite the ride for sure.
0: I can, I can only imagine... Um... And just out of curiosity for myself and maybe some listeners that don't understand, you know, the depths of domestic violence, like they often say, I think it's seven times that usually you'll return on average back seven to nine times to an abusive partner. Are you able to give us any insight as to why? Like, why did you feel like you kept going back or you stayed as long as you did?
1: Absolutely. And that's very true. That was me. Um I think the two main things are manipulation and trauma bonding. Mm-hmm. So, um, in my specific case, which uh, many women might relate to this, um, it took me over a year to figure out he had lied about who he was, um, and even things that shouldn't matter, like having a car or what he did for a living. Um, he had told me that he didn't speak with his family, but I later found out he was keeping us apart so he could keep up like the charade. Um, Wow. And a lot of other stuff that's pretty unique, like he had told me that he was an investor and that's how he had such a large amount of money without having a job. And ironically, it actually inspired me to get into finance and investing. Um, and now I have a career out of it. Thanks. But, um, okay, that's you know, that's good thing. Expert, yeah. Out- yeah, like it, it worked for me, mm-hmm. but I find out that he was um he was into fraud and um the large amounts of money that he had were from like identity theft and banking fraud and um even money that he stole from his old company. So, um oh you know, all those things like it's just a big mind fuck. I think like the, the in my personal opinion, the mental abuse was far worse than the physical. Um but yeah, I mean and, and there was just so much manipulation um, you know, I, I look back and I, I think one of his main tactics was blaming me for the cheating and the abuse. Um, one time he said that he would stop cheating on me if I got a boob job and guess oh. what, y'all, I still stayed.
0: <laughs> Damn sis. Yeah. That yeah. is, I cannot even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Continue.
1: <laughs> but, oh no. Yeah. It, it was so bad. Um, you know, nowadays, if a man tells me that, I'd probably go to jail. No, I'm kidding, but I would <laughs> most definitely.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd back you on that for sure. Says so you just call me. <laughs> That's yeah. wild. But I think it's important that you're being, you know, so transparent about it because I think it's important that people know that and they're aware of these types of manipulative behaviors and these forms of abuse. Because I, I think just even myself coming from, like I said, a, a very abusive childhood, learning to identify that that is abuse is a very challenging and non-linear path, right? Because for my experience, you know, those were my caretakers. They were people that were raising me. Like, of course, I was like, they're not abusing me. Like, it, you know what I mean? I'm also a child. So my brain is still developing. And I just look at them because I'm like, they're my caretakers and my caretakers. So coming to that realization of realizing that, wow, these people are actually really, really harming me, both physically, you know, mentally, psychologically, everything, every aspect, emotionally, is a very heartbreaking realization. You know what I mean? Like it's very, and it's shocking too, what your brain will do in order to protect your abuser and like keep that story in your mind. Do you know what I mean? I almost feel like that's like the default is like you want to keep the good story going for as long as possible um and yeah, it's just it's a mind fuck. Abuse is a mind fuck actually and causes so much damage to your brain and I'm I'm glad that you're able to share about like your story now and like make jokes about it, cope with it and know that obviously you would never date somebody who would say those things to you again and and it's like that is just such a fucked up thing to say and I hope you know. And from everyone listening, like, it's not your fault what you went through. You know that, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. I do now. But, you know, it, it yeah. took me forever to realize that. Yeah. Um. And so I think because, you know, w- when someone's beating you down mentally like that, mm-hmm. you just kind of begin to hate yourself. And, you For know, sure. when you're in... When you're around such a traumatic environment, um, you really lose touch with reality. I mean, looking back, it gives me chills when I think about how clouded I was. Um, I later learned, though, that it's scientifically proven that severe abuse can impact a person's cognitive function. So with trauma, it affects the cerebral cortex, which is a part of the brain that's responsible for decision making, memory, processing emotion, and um I'm a little I'm a little hesitant to admit this, but um I do feel like it needs to be said just to kind of illustrate how severely clouded my reasoning was. Um I mean, this man was cheating consistently, extremely violent to the point of near death, um, prostitutes and, and just anything bad, he did it. Um he even was, he had borrowed money from me at one point claiming for, claiming it was for an investment opportunity. But I later found out it was for OnlyFans in a hotel room to cheat on me. Um, and even after all of that, I still allowed him to convince me that I was the problem and that I was just so lucky to have a man, you know, who puts up with me and that I'd never find anyone else who would want me like this. And it's crazy. Um, another example of that would be when I found out um. I, I just kind of briefly mentioned how he had borrowed money from me mm-hmm. and ended up spending it on, you know, fuckery. Um, well, we were in the car on the way home from the gym and I had found out and so I started crying and I wasn't like violent or freaking out. I just was softly crying because I wasn't allowed to cry. So I was a little scared. And I just asked him like, why, why wasn't I good enough? You know, I put so much effort into being who he wanted me to be to extreme measures. Like not eating, you know, spending hours in the gym. I mean, you name it, I did it. And as soon as I asked him that question, like, what do they have that I don't, is what I said. Um, He ended up punching me in the face while we were driving and began to speed up. And um, again, this was another time I just didn't feel the impact. I didn't feel the blow. I just, I felt like the blood pouring from my nose on my shirt. And so I had asked him to stop the car because he was speeding and I was scared. And he was just saying how he's going to kill me and sped up to over 100 miles per hour. And so I kept begging him to pull over, finally pulled over. He exited the highway and put us in this parking lot of some abandoned store. It wasn't even in the parking lot. It was just like in the driveway. So not even legally parked. Um, He was so angry with me that he threw my keys and they landed in someone's backyard, grabbed his stuff and left on foot. And he disappeared for hours. Um, so at 10 p.m. on a random weekday, I had to knock on someone's door, get my keys from their yard. Um, I'm very thankful that the woman was nice about it. And when I got home, you would not believe the amount of times that I apologized to him. You know, it was somehow my fault for being insecure or not seeing that he was trying, even though he made mistakes. And, you know, mm-hmm. I had stayed through countless incidents like that. Um and he just, yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was just a thing where I felt it was my fault and that I was the one wow. who had the issues. So um, I think overall, um, you know, the reason why I stayed is, is stuff like that. I felt inferior, but mm-hmm. I also feel like I fell in love with potential. Um, you right. know, I, I just, I refused to give up on him. Um, and I think, my biggest role in all of the toxicity is that I wasn't seeing him for who he actually was and who he was showing me. He was, I only thought who I, I only thought I fell in love with him because of who he could eventually be. And it was so hard for me to let go of that. Um, You know, I, I really had no idea who he truly was. I got little bits and pieces of the sides of him that he tried to hide Mm -hmm. Um, But because he mirrored me at the beginning, I really had no idea who I was married to. And that's a very scary feeling. You know, when when you don't know who you're married to, who you're sleeping next to every night. um, It's scary. So, and I guess also another thing. Um, that made it really hard to leave when I started to see signs was the wedding. I mean, you know, as a young woman, I had dreamed my entire life of a wedding, right? And Mm -hmm. we had planned this beautiful destination wedding in Lake Como, um, I'd invited all my loved ones, posted these amazing engagement photos on all my socials. And I just felt like a failure, you know, for calling it off. I mean, I plastered it on social media that we were getting married and it's everyone was just like, wow, you guys are so perfect. Um, but by the time our date ar- approached, um, things had already gotten so bad. And I somehow let this man convince me to ditch all that for a courthouse wedding. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, wow. the promer... Oh, I'm sorry, I misspoke. Maybe we can cut that. <laughs> no, you can't take see The power of a trauma bond is just so real, you know? I honestly yeah. feel like I never would have left if he didn't express that he wanted to end the relationship as well. And that statement alone is so bewildering.
0: Yeah, that is heartbreaking. It honestly is very, very heartbreaking to hear this story. Um, it's just so alarming to learn the different types of abuse that people can endure and the way that they can be manipulated into believing that it is their fault and like that's how they obviously have their grip with you right it's just like tearing you down to make you feel like you're worthless and you can't leave and you can't do better than them you know and the cycle repeats itself but I'm devastated for you and I'm proud of you for still being here today and and you know willing to share your story because that takes a lot of guts babe It's a lot. Yeah. Um, It definitely did. So what are, like, if you're, you know, speaking to other women who are maybe have been through this, or just even like, you know, myself and somebody who hasn't been through that type of abuse, but is also, you know, familiar with how people can put on a show at the beginning and love bomb. Like, what are some warning signs to look out for when you're getting into a relationship that maybe we can all write down? And be mindful of and aware of, so that this, you know, we can try and limit this from happening to other people.
1: I love that question. Um, I think you know, love bombing is usually a, a number one giveaway. Yeah. Um, and also look out for you know a victim mentality, poor relationships with his friends or family. Yes. Look yeah. at how they handle conflict. You know, are they able to handle conflict in a productive manner? Mm-hmm. Are they Are they someone who takes accountability? Look at their habits, even outside of dating, you know, um, just be very analytical about everything. Never rush into any relationship, um, because you know who you choose to spend your life with, it's going to significantly impact the rest of your life. So
0: absolutely. Um, I actually was watching a show yesterday and I won't give away the show in case anyone's like watching it, not finished it, but. In it, she ended up marrying this guy, and later in life, he cheated on her, and when she caught him, they obviously, you know, they separated for a a period of time. He convinced her to get back together. They have a child at this point. The child's like nine or ten. A couple years later, he ends up having another affair, and the child finds the dad like having the affair and ends up... Just at 10 years old, getting a gun and going to threaten this other woman to be like, stay away from my family. Like, my mom and dad are happy. Like, leave us alone. They wrestle with the gun. He ends up shooting her in the face and killing her. And then the kid is, oh like, sent God. to juvie. And there's this whole—it's it's it's a wild—it's a wild show. And I, I just had such a moment last night of just, like, talking to my friend. And I was like, wow, this is so— It's so important to, like you said, take your time and really analyze the partner that you are getting into a relationship with because you have no idea the different types of horror that can happen from just choosing wrong. Like, you know what I mean? To not even, like, you don't think about when you're in your dating stages, like, oh, we could have a kid one day that kid could fucking kill someone at age 10 and then go to juvie for the rest of it. And I've lost my kid and my husband. Like, it's just, you don't think of, all the, you know, terrible things that could happen by choosing the wrong partner. But these, all the things that you've listed are, are really, really good pieces of advice of things to look for, things to be mindful of. And I think things that we're all guilty of falling for in the past. I mean, especially with the love bombing, it's really hard. Like we all want a fairy tale. We all want to believe that there is one person out there for us that gets us without us having to explain ourselves. But the matter, the truth of the matter is if they get us without explaining ourselves, like that's probably the number one sign like nobody you like a good relationship isn't just birthed out of thin air like there needs to be so much communication you know you need to be able to share your stories vulnerably share your truth share your boundaries you know it doesn't just happen magically like we were taught to believe so if any of it is just happening magically like I think reassess um but it's 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 hard. I would say like a love bombing has got to be one of the hardest ones because you're in that stage where you're just completely swooned. Right. You're just like you don't see any really red flags at all because in the first stage, it's a honeymoon phase. Right. You're just obsessed with them and in love with them and they can do no wrong. It's not until the second cycle that you're like, oh, OK, they do have flaws. And am I able to deal with them? And you know what I mean? But by that point for you. He had beaten you down so much mentally that you were unable to even realize that they were flaws attached to him. They thought you thought they were a direct reflection of you, which is just terrifying. So I think the it's crucial that we all listen to Morgan, everybody in these beginning stages to make sure we don't even, you know, get love bombed and are a victim of anything like this.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think that, you know, even in the event that you you don't notice any of these red flags. Mm -hmm. I still think every person should have a code word with someone that they love and trust, like a family member or a best friend. So the word should be something that's undetectable to a potential abuser. So you can discreetly Mm -hmm. alert someone when you need help. Um, So mine was the word dress. If I sent a a text pertaining to a a dress from J.Crew, it's so random, but that's how I was able to communicate I needed help. Um, once my trusted person kind of became aware of the abuse, we even made the whole system of like emojis. So I would use emojis to communicate if he was near, like a purple heart meant that he's watching and then like a red heart meant that he's watching and I'm in danger. So all that stuff can be so helpful. You don't think, you know, but it, it could definitely save a life someday for sure. So I think it's just important, you know, above all else to just never lose sight of yourself get in tune with your values and boundaries and just really stand firm on them. You know, this is going to sound ridiculous, but um, I think that the talking stage should be treated like a job interview. Just really analyze the hell out of them. I think that's um, brilliant.
0: And yeah. I don't think that sounds crazy. I think that's brilliant because it essentially <laughs> is you're interviewing somebody to, to like, be able to like be near you <laughs> and like and
1: like yeah. sleep next to
0: you and like, be inside your body like it is it's a very serious job interview and I think that I I understand the context in which you're saying it in and I think it makes a lot of sense I think it's important to be like to understand you know the value in ourselves and be like okay why do you want to work here (laughs) why do you feel like you deserve to work here You know, what are you bringing to the table
1: for the role? (laughs) Yeah. And and there's a lot of people that aren't.
0: And there's a lot of people that, you know, in my past that I've let into my heart, you know, and my space that I regret because I also, you know what, I'm going to share something with you that's relevant to the dating thing. So as I was telling you, I just recently went on a solo trip to Asia. Amazing. Changed my life. Would 10 out of 10 recommend. Tune into the episode if you want to learn more about it. (laughs) Um... But while being there, I I feel like solo traveling definitely guts you in the best way. Like it just kind of clears out your psyche and your system and surfaces things that you weren't ready to heal from too. I also feel like I, you know, doing mine sober, it was even more like I just couldn't escape anything. Like I was just in a different country by myself. In my Airbnb, figuring out every day, what am I going to do with my day? What is this going to look like? And just having no vice in that sense, I feel like I was really stripped of everything. And I was just really made aware of all the things that I wasn't healed from. And one of the things, so while I was on my trip, I actually met someone who is like just a phenomenal individual. Um, and we started talking and, you know, things started to get a little bit serious. And I was like, no, I can't do this. I don't want to do this because there has been so many times in my life where I have entered a relationship that I did not want to enter because of my people pleasing ability. And the fact that I can fall in love with like a fucking water bottle if I'm hanging out with it enough. Like I, My attachment style is like a bit extreme by bit I mean like a lot it's very extreme (laughs) like concerning my friend my friend was like talking to me and was like yeah you definitely he's like very like type a very logical and he's like you definitely need to work on the part of yourself that falls in love with someone faster than an amazon package ships ships internationally (laughs) and I was like no facts I really fucking do because I really be giving my heart away for free over here and it was in realizing that my like my own at attachment styles and cutting off that situation, not because they weren't, you know, a good person or anything, but because I was like, this chapter needs to be about me. I've spent 11 years of my life dating men and trying to fix them and trying to help them and, and just like pouring so much of my energy into them that it's time for me to be selfish. And it's time for me to pour that energy back into myself. And in realizing that, I realized there was most, I would say most of my relationships, I didn't want to date them. And I ended up in a relationship with them. And that was such a heartbreaking, concerning thing to realize while I'm by myself in fucking Vietnam. I was like, what the fuck? And I really <laughs> had to show myself grace and be like, okay, sis, you obviously, you know, my mind the way that I view love the way that I view the world has been quite skewed because of the severe abuse that I endured growing up so the way that I attach myself is in direct proportion to that right like I never felt valued I always felt like I was in the way I always felt like I was a nuisance I always felt like I didn't I wasn't enough you know so for me finding people that wanted to spend time with me I was like oh they want to spend time with me they're my person they're my fucking prince They like when in reality, like, you know, you're a fucking intelligent, beautiful woman. A lot of people want to spend time with you. You know, that's just like matter of fact. So like I had these people that, you know, would put in like bare minimum efforts and I would be like, obviously it's Kismet. You know, he fucking opened the door for me. Like, (laughs) I'm in, (laughs) you know, so like realizing (laughs) that was huge for me and realizing that I needed to reassess my attachment style altogether and cutting that, you know, connection off with that guy that I'd met and making that trip about me and then really sitting with myself and analyzing why I attach myself the way that I do, what my attachment style is, why I chose to date people who I looked at on paper and said they are nothing of what I want or they maybe have two things out of the 10 things I'm wanting, but I still, you know, let them pass the interview stage you know? So yeah, I think it's crucial. And sorry for just like sidebarring that whole conversation, but I'm just like, I feel like it's important that people know that. And I think it's important to recognize that if you've ever been through any type of abuse, it's also very common for your lens to be skewed. The way that you look at life, the way that you look at love, the way that you look at yourself um, can be very broken and fragile. So it's, yeah, it's important to recognize that, you know, you're not weird or strange and don't judge yourself too hard like Morgan said you know you can be blindsided you can be manipulated into believing that you're worthless and that you deserve the utmost disrespect we're all listening to this shook with our jaws on the floor being like Morgan of course you don't deserve this but when you're in it it's so much different you know so and, and do you mind if I ask um, if you ever had therapy like during or after the relationship at all or even before like have you ever been a therapy goer
1: Um, So I did start therapy um, way after the fact, it was actually Mm -hmm. after my, my traveling hiatus. Um, And therapy is has been great. Um, I, I think therapy, it doesn't, it's not a magic fixer, it takes Mm -hmm. a lot of work, and it's very uncomfortable. So, um, you know, when I first ended the relationship, you know, and I I took about three months, just traveled the world. And I was fine. Like my, I felt I was fully healed. But then Mm -hmm. whenever I got back to the States, I kind of got, I fell into a pretty, pretty deep depression. Mm -hmm. And that's whenever I did start therapy. And I feel like that's when actually my grieving process started because I was being forced to feel all the emotions that I was trying to suppress. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think that's important to note too, is whenever you do start therapy, um, don't have, don't think it's going to be a magic fixer. It's going to immediately make you feel better because it takes a lot of work. Um, you're going to have to do things the right way. And yeah. sometimes that's very uh, like hard, you know, to unlearn your, yes. your habits that some of us have had for a whole lives. So, um, but I do think it changed my life. Um, but just in the same, you know, solo travel did as well. I think mm-hmm. that for me, it was more of a change of perspective. Um, you know, looking into other cultures, just everyone made things. It, it was, I think it, to me, it was the concept of simplicity. It really blew me away because uh, I feel like here we create a lot of problems for ourselves that a lot of other cultures just don't have or we will freak out over that, something minor.
0: That is a big one. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think that um, just change your perspective, you know, get out of the clouds and and try to sharpen your vision again. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, hearing you speak just now, Alyssa, I I realized something about you that I think it's important to note for your viewers as well. And you seem to possess uh, the skill of intellectual curiosity. And um, I think that is the most powerful thing you can have. That is going to be your lifeboat um, because you are taking the time and you're curious. You want to learn why you think the way you think, why you've made the mistakes that you have. Um, and I think that that is everything. So I want to give you kudos Aww, on that, but thank also you, share Morgan. that with the, the listeners.
0: Thank you. That yeah, means a that's lot. that's incredible. I feel like, yeah, that is like the one thing that I look towards. And I feel like, yeah, without going into my own story too much, because I want this episode to be just about you, but growing up in an environment that I did and how toxic it was just like, that was, that was my lifeboat. You know, that was the reason I survived was because I was like, what is going on here? Why is my childhood different than I'm going to try not to cry than the other ones? What, why do I get hurt? Why do they not like, and just like asking myself those questions to the point that when I was 14, I went to my parents and I said, I want to go to therapy, take me to therapy. And they did. And so I've started at such a young age, you know, thinking like that. And just, I don't even know if I possess that skill because the universe was like, we're going to give you this. This is what you got. And because I'm the oldest of four and I needed to guide them through all of it too, that I was just gifted that. But that skill has like single-handedly saved my fucking life and my, you know, curiosity and my want to understand why I was being treated different and why I felt different. And, you know, going to therapy definitely changed my life and is single-handedly one of the reasons I am still alive today. Um, so that was a really sweet compliment and that means a lot because I've worked really hard at you know, working on that skill, perfecting it and making it my whole life mission, really. And just like ever curiosity and just wondering, you know, how our brains work the way they do and why I function this way. Because by doing that, you know, you're able to just constantly curate a better version of yourself and you're, you get comfortable with the uncomfortable. You get comfortable with being like, what am I lacking? Every once in a while, I'll ask my friends, what do I do that really annoys you? What do you, what do I do that's I could be better at? Like, what do you, and I, I want my friends to be brutally honest because those are the people that are going to help you change and grow. And, you know, anyway, <laughs> that's my little long story long, but I appreciate that. Thank you for recognizing that. That means a lot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have chills right now. Just oh my God. At 14. Um, and then just looking at you now, I mean that is incredible alyssa um that is that's truly inspiring, and now you have a platform that yes. you can you know continue to touch hearts and inspire women to do the same
0: absolutely and that is why I do it i I honestly feel like I didn't just go through my life and deal with all these different types of abuse to not to just go through it you know what i mean i didn't come this far just to fucking suffer so i'm like my purpose in life and i truly feel is to help others feel less alone in their struggles that's why you know i launched my business that's why i launched the podcast because i think so much of us endure similar emotions similar feelings similar struggles and those are not talked about enough and those are like Groundbreaking conversations waiting to happen. That is like where the shift in society is actually gonna be, you know, be pulled into is by us talking about the shit that's normal and like is life and is hard to talk about, but it's essential to discuss these things, you know? And having that ability, I feel like I was born having that ability on purpose. I feel like, you know, like I said, the universe gave me that skill, that was my thing. And so finding that has kind of been like, my lifesaver and just following that, you know, that vision I have. And yeah, it's been, uh, it's been quite the journey, but yeah, I just, I also just want people to know that you can come from such a dark place and like rise from the ashes. You know what I mean? Like diamonds are made under a lot of pressure and I just feel like we can all shine bright like a fucking diamond, like Rihanna says. Um, and we can all make it out (laughs) (laughs) out of our darkest places and I'm here to help you. Um, I have actually yeah. another, I have another question for you. So since, since breaking up, you said like, how long has it been also? I'm kind of curious for myself. How long since you guys got divorced? Um,
1: it's been over a year. Um, okay. I would say closer to two years. Okay. So it's, it's been quite a while. Um, you know, and I'll say I'm, I'm the happiest and most confident I've ever been in my life. Good. I think I learned that skill um, how we were talking about the intellectual curiosity Mm so I'm aware I still have a lot I need to work on Um, I think the biggest visible scar I have well besides from the physical ones um, you know I I think I'm at a point where I'm still not comfortable allowing myself to date or have feelings for a man Um, I just simply choose not to and I'm not Mm -hmm. sure I ever see myself seriously dating again Um, but I think part of it is, is kind of from a positive light because you know I have very high standards for myself now. Yes. Um so when I found out I could give myself the love that I was so desperate for, oh child, it was a wrap from there. Yes. <laughs> it just made me realize, you know, I don't need a man. I've been enjoying this relationship I had with myself. Um and in therapy I also learned that I did also have uh, a very concerning amount of unresolved child childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. And so my therapist, my, my oh my gosh, I cannot speak. My therapist and I both agree <laughs> <laughs> that um, those wounds from early on are actually what led me into a situation like this. Yes. Um, but in a really strange way, I'm thankful that all of this happened because it just forced me to evolve into a version myself that I never knew was possible. So it made me a lot more emotionally aware and intelligent um sure the trauma and broken bones kind of sucked, but I came out so much better. Um yes. so much better. And um I just, you know, I think that it's it's just all a part of our journey and I'm gonna continue to continue to grow and learn. Um I, I'm just I'm so content right now and I finally for once feel very powerful and in control of my life. And I promise myself I will never ever let anyone take that away from me again. Um, Also, I I want to, you said a quote earlier that I'm definitely going to have to put on a T-shirt. You said, (laughs) I did not come this far to suffer. Like, wow, that was awesome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll put it on a T-shirt for you, babe, and I'll mail it to you. Um, That's actually, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, but it's so fucking true. And I think just hearing what you just said too, Makes me think of this. So I think like your mindset, like your perspective of your life is in direct proportion to how good your life is. And that is not to say that you cannot have terrible, traumatic, awful things happen to you. Obviously, we're both here today sharing our stories, but it is your perspective of it that will, you know, amplify how long that lasts. So I mean, by you, you know, evaluating what happened to you, dissecting it and saying, okay, but this is what I'm going to take from it. This happened. It is what it is. It has happened. But this is how I'm going to like rebirth myself and pour this love onto myself and just recognizing your own boundaries. And just to hear like, you know, two years is not a long time. It's not a long time. And for the the trauma, the traumatic experience and events that you were a part of, for you to be here today, speaking about it openly and have such a positive spin on it Is just such, you know, a testament to saying that you can absolutely, you you can shape the direction of your life no matter the outside circumstances. You absolutely have control over how much impact these things have over your life. You know, shitty things happen every day. It is how we perceive them happening, you know, because firsthand, I used to be the most negative fucking person in the world and everything that happened to me. And I was like, woe is me. The universe hates me. It's literally like my life's a joke. Like I actually was one of the most negative people I've ever known. And it was interesting because somebody said to me a couple days ago, you're such a positive person, but not like a sickly positive person. Like everything's great. Rainbows, fairies. You're a realist, but you're very positive. And I was like, thank you so much for that recognition because I used to be like the most negative son of a bitch. I was so annoying. Like when I look back on my younger self, I'm like, how did I have friends? Honestly, why didn't anybody tell me to shut the fuck up? I was just so much in the victim mindset because of being a victim for so much of my life. I stayed in that mindset and I stayed in this, oh, bad things happen to me. I had a bad childhood. So other things are going to happen to me. I had a bad childhood. So of course I'm going to have bad relationships. It's my fucking parents' fault. And I just Blamed everything on everybody else and lived in that victim mindset. Let me tell you something: when you live in that victim mindset, you omit your own power. Like you don't, you don't give yourself any power. You're a victim. But when you own it and you say, that happened to me, that sucks. This is what I'm going to do with it. I'm going to, you know, derive all this power from my pain. I'm going to choose how this, how much this impacts me. I'm going to choose how long I'm going to let this linger. I'm going to choose how I rebuild myself after that. You know what I mean? We all have that. I'm getting goosebumps. We all have that power to decide how much something impacts us, you know, and how long, We live in the victim mindset. So my biggest thing to anyone struggling too is owning it, accepting it, and trying to shift past it and trying to be like, take your power back, baby. You know, they knocked you down a lot, but you got back up and you're like, no, no, I'm worth way more than you ever said I was. You know what I mean? Like that is such a power move. That is such a flex. That is such a testament to your character and your strength and your resilience. And you should be very, very proud of yourself, honestly.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I mean, everything you're saying is 1000% true. I think it, it's, it's honestly very sad, because a lot of us don't really realize the power that we hold. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we kind of like put ourselves in our own prison. But I think that, you know, using this, this situation as an example, um, I I very easily could have played the victim. Yes. I mean, I, I like literally was a victim, right? But of course, um, I didn't just fall on my back and say, um, you know, I hate men. I'm done. I'm just going to yes. cry and be depressed in bed. Um, I was, you know, actually because of that TikTok, I was able to reach out and help women and now I'm partnered with groups like empower her. And, um, even I work with like women in STEM to kind of help women who had childhoods like mine, um, get connected with resources and so they can be successful. And I think that's just so powerful. Um, so definitely, you know, don't sleep on yourself. Mm-hmm. We have so much more power than we always think that we do. And it's never too late. You know, um, I always like to think of life as a game of cards, right? Everyone's dealt a different hand, but you just better play those cards right. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: You got to learn your deck. You got to learn what you're working with and then, you know, figure out the best angle. No, I, I totally agree. That's That's an amazing way of looking at it. And I do want to say too, just this is such a heavy topic, too. Like, it is okay to, you know, crumble and fall apart and be confused and be lost. I don't want you to think that you have to go through this like traumatic experience and just get up the next day and be like, well, Alyssa and Morgan said we're warriors. So I guess we're, it's okay to crumble and knock it out of bed. It's okay to, you know, go through an area of time where you doubt yourself. Like, it doesn't look perfect. Our healing, you know, Journeys have not looked linear. Like you said, you struggled a lot. I struggled a lot. I used alcohol and drugs for 10 years of my life and binged constantly because I didn't want to deal with my child and I didn't want to deal with my pain. So, you know, we didn't just wake up and be bad bitches. We had to become those and we evolved into those over a lot of, you know, painful decisions and mistakes and heartbreak and, you know, addictions and et cetera. So I just, I want you guys to know that obviously it's normal to feel like a victim when you have been victimized, but. It's important to eventually pull yourself out of that and find your power and your inner strength because, like Morgan said, self love is so key. And, like, sis, I did not realize, I feel like I'm gonna cry again. This episode's been emotional. I did not realize how cool I was as a person. Like, I just always felt like I was a fucking loser and like I just didn't have the best, you know, upbringing. I was bullied a lot in school. Um, shout out to my bullies now. Hope you're well. Hope you feel, babes. And like, I honestly <laughs> did not feel like I was worth much. So I accepted all these partners who did bare minimum things for me, like open a door and honestly, half of them didn't even do that. Um, but I just accepted this bare minimum. But once you start to heal, once you start to sit with yourself, and for me, that looks like sobriety for me, that looked like therapy. Um, and for me, that looked like staying single for a bit. Once you start to fall in love with yourself, it is so much harder to accept bullshit because you see it and you're like, I can open the door for myself, bitch. I can cook myself a fancy dinner. Like I have the best date nights ever. Like your standards just increasingly keep raising. The bar keeps raising higher because you're like, if you can't give me at least what I can do for myself, which is a fuck ton, then don't even come near me. You're not even going to get a call back for the interview. You're not even going to be sitting across from me at a desk, having the interview in the first place, because you're not, your criteria is under what I can give myself. So self-love has got to be your number one fucking priority. And it's hard work. It is a hard work to sit with yourself and check yourself and be like, okay, a lot of the suffering is actually my own fault. A lot of this decisions that I've made in my life, a lot of is a result of my own unhinged and unhealed behavior. That's very hard to recognize. I cringe sometimes when I think of the person that I used to be when I was using drugs and alcohol and the things I said, the relationships I, you know, the bridges I burned and everything that got broken along the way. But just knowing that you can always start over, like every hour is a new hour, every minute's a new minute. Every day is a new day. You don't got to wait till a new year. You know, you can start working on yourself to actively become better and, and healing yourself. And I would recommend therapy to everyone. I feel like at least I say this once in every episode I've ever dropped. (laughs) Even if you don't have a specific (laughs) mental health disorder, therapy can really help. But as Morgan said, you do have to put in a lot of work. You know, same with the gym. Honestly, if you go to the gym and you kind of half ass it and you're only really 20% invested, you're not going to see results as somebody who is 90% or 100% invested. It's, It's a lifestyle that has to be. You know, you have to have capacity, you have to go into it with an open mind. You know, there's a lot of years of therapy of time that I put in where I was only 20%, 30% in because I was still heavily drinking. And I couldn't even, I didn't even know who I was. I was so drunk all the time. I didn't even know who I was. So how could I, you know, receive any benefits from therapy when I was going in there drunk half the time, not even in tune with myself, not even aware of the person that was sitting on the couch trying to receive the information, you know? So you have to think of it like, yeah, like the gym. You have to expect the results of the effort you're, you know, willing to put in. I think that's a good way of comparing the two, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: I 1000% agree.
0: Um, I was going to ask you too, like, how do you feel your trust is now? But I feel like you kind of answered in your last question where you're kind of at a point where you're like, I don't know if I want to date ever again um do you feel like the trust that you lost within him do you feel like you look at all men similarly do you feel like everybody is kind of like when you meet a man is it kind of like "Mm," you keep your distance you feel like maybe a little bit like he could be a threat like how is your your view towards men like now after going through that
1: yeah um I guess before I answer, I do want to just disclose, um, I don't necessarily condone this mindset, and I'm aware it's not the most healthy, so keep that in mind, Um, but I do, I'm definitely not bitter, you know, but I do view men differently. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that there are great men out there, Mm -hmm. however, my mentality right now is they all will eventually cheat and or they will disappoint you I definitely know that all men are not abusive and I recognize that and I, I'm not really scared of going through the physical abuse again um but I, I think it's more so my lack of trust I mm-hmm. I don't think that it's I just I don't feel safe trusting individuals anymore and even some of my more serious friendships um I I my trust with them is just not, I never feel fully comfortable in any relationship that I have because I know in the back of my mind, like, you know, they will betray me somehow. And that's that's one thing that, again, it's very unhealthy to think and I'm continuing to work on and mm-hmm. I recognize it. But um, my trust is is definitely non-existent at that at this point. <laughs> that's fair. And honestly, I appreciate your
0: transparency with it because I think a lot of people could be like, just kind of um sugarcoat that answer and not be as you were just like brutally honest you're like no i think that most men are probably yeah. shit <laughs> and i and i commend you for the honesty because there has been points in my life where i also believe the same thing and i still to this day struggle with it um i don't know if you're aware morgan but i've been sexually abused a lot in my life by men and that Having that happen to you so many times over and over and over again, you kind of just automatically lose trust in men. And I'm still very hesitant, you know, when I get in an elevator and it's just, if it's one man, it's fine. But if there's like five and it's just me, I definitely like, I definitely think of the game plan. Like, how could I get out of this when I need to, who would I hit for? Like, I, that's just where my mind goes. And I think after so much trauma, that's normal. Unfortunately, that is your new normal. But I do think there are bridges to healing. You know, I'd be lying if I said I didn't heal a lot since then. And I do trust more. You know, I just went on a solo trip and then ended up joining three guys who I didn't know. um, And we all traveled together and I felt very safe around them. So there is hope. Um, Definitely hope. But it takes a long time. So I think just be patient with yourself. Show yourself grace. You just went through an immense, like immense amount of trauma in such a quick and like fast timeline, like everything was just really sped up and really amplified, right? So I think it's totally normal to be where you're at now, but I do appreciate you also saying that maybe it isn't the best mindset or maybe it isn't the end (laughs) mindset that you're gonna have, but it is for Mm -hmm. right now. And I think that's totally fair. And I think everyone listening can, you know, understand that for sure. Even I can, like it took me a lot and I still have a lot of like rage, Like, if a man were to, like, come up and, like, grab me, even, like, with not even a lot of force, but yeah, I don't know if I'd be able to remain calm. I have a lot of, like, tension, I guess, built up anger inside me that there's just been so many boundaries crossed that I feel like I would just throw down way too quickly if someone were to, like, brush up against me. Um, And even if there's other women, like, I remember we pulled into a gas station the other day and there was this... Um, homeless man just very close to this other girl. She was just trying to pump gas, and he was trying to like I don't know get money or something. And I got out of the car so fast. I was the passenger. My friend was driving. I didn't even shut the door, and it was still moving. I just like opened the door and I walked right up to him. I'm like, Are you good? What's going on here? What are What are you doing? Why are you speaking to her? Like, I was just like, don't fuck with my girls. If y'all need somebody, yes. <laughs> I will fuck them up. I swear to God. I don't even know if I should say that. My t- producer's probably going to be like, don't be throwing threats out there. But like, I look out for my girls. Like, I don't even got to know you. You come up to me at the club. Some guy's being weird. I got you. We're gay. We're together. It is what it is. She's mine. Don't fucking touch her. I will do anything. I will go along with any fucking storyline that keeps a woman safe because they are my priority 110% always. Yes. Yeah.
1: I love that. Oh I, yeah. I think it's so amazing that like women, um, really have each other's back. Like, yes, that because as sad as it is, um, which also I'm very sorry that you went through what you went through. Um, and, and it's, it's even, it's so sad that most women today can relate to that. Yes, Um, you know, I, I actually I had a similar yeah. experience did you? Where uh, one time I was I was in Greece and um, nothing bad was happening, but I know how bad this looked to the women who were watching me. Um, we all had quite a bit to drink and my friend and I were leading uh, a club with one of our guy friends mm-hmm. who was traveling with us. And he was kind of like supporting both of us because we were stumbling a little bit. It was, it, was, it was a little bit of a fun night. Mm-hmm. And um, a group of women from across the street just looks over and sees this man kind of like, you know, holding up to women. And so they came over and they followed us all the way back to our Airbnb, Damn. questioning me. Do you know him? Are you safe? Can I walk you guys? Like, can I get your number? And I just, I was so happy because um, it was just so incredible to see women that yes. really suck up for other women. Absolutely. And so I, I just, I love that.
0: <laughs> oh, for sure. I just like, I can't not. It's automatic. Same with children too don't be raising your voice at your children too loud in public near me because I will tell you something. (laughs) I will make sure the kids are okay. Like I just, it's instinctive. Like I can't even control, like I just have to. I just have to. Like I cannot stand by and let, you know, anything happen. At least when I had like the opportunity to stand up or say something, you know, I don't care if it makes me uncomfortable. I don't care if it makes everyone uncomfortable. I would rather us be a little uncomfortable and everyone be safe. So you know, if you ever see a situation like that, like I super commend you, especially as a woman to go and interject and as a man, you know, if you're one of the good ones um, and make sure they're okay, please check on them. You know, please don't say inappropriate things. Please don't allow your friends to say inappropriate things. Cat calling. Let's not, <laughs> let's not, let's just, let's just not. <laughs> We've been through a lot as women. And like you said, almost, I would say almost every woman I know the statistics are alarmingly high, but think of the people that don't even come forward. Out of all the sexual assault experiences that I've endured, I only came forward about one. So I think it's important to recognize that women definitely have it harder in that specific area and to just give us some grace, you know? I think for people, maybe just don't shout, like shout it at us. Maybe don't follow us too closely. Maybe give us space. Maybe if there's an elevator with a bunch of dudes, maybe you just like... Let us go out by ourselves. Like you know what I mean. Like just maybe be mindful of that because I think a lot of guys, especially if they're good ones and they've got good friends, they don't can they're not considering how scary it is for us. How every single day of our lives we have to, you know, evaluate a room before we walk into it, see who's like at the gym, who's watching us, keep an eye, make sure we've got something in our purse that could hurt someone if they we, you know what I mean. Like those are just facts. That's just what we have to deal with. Like, what is the statistics for? Uh, being hurt or being murdered. I think it's like, it's always the partner. It's always the husband. It's always the man that's like living with us. That's like an alarming amount. I need to know the exact statistic on it, but I know it's very, very high. So these are just things to be mindful of, you know, as another woman and, you know, men that are tuning in and listening. Um, I actually had a man approach me the other day at a market And he said that he had like a business idea and he wanted to run it by me. He said, I've been following you for a bit. You're, you know, you're, what you're posting is inspiring. I love it. And I wanted you to know that I listened to your episode on your assault because I dropped an episode recently about my, my sexual assault experiences. And he says, I want you to know that like, I just want to meet for coffee um, for maybe 15 minutes just to pick your brain because I admire your business, you know, your the way that you run your business, I admire. I look up to you in that sense. It is not, I'm not trying to be creepy. Not going to come close to you. I'm not going to like, he just like made sure that I knew that he knew that like he would just never cross that line. And I was like, you know what? Thank you for saying that because that might've been really uncomfortable for him to have to say that and clarify that. He's like, even if I didn't listen to your episode, I still would have led with that. You know, I'm not trying to be weird. not trying to pick you up. Um, I don't know. I just had a lot of respect for that interaction. Just being like, thank you for realizing that most of the time men are just creeping and just wasting our time. Thank you for specifying that you're not. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that was very commendable of him. And, but yeah, I just think it's important to be mindful of that and, you know, for everybody to be standing up for us and just kind of keeping a close eye because this happens far too much. It's just not talked about enough, you know?
1: Absolutely. I mean, you really hit the nail on the head with that. Um, there's a, there's a quote that I live by, um, and it, it might be a part of my trauma Mm -hmm. response, but I do believe that this is um, a great way to live by is, um, never get too comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, even if you, you are in a marriage, I know that does involve Mm -hmm. you, you know, giving yourself to that person or whatever, but, um, never at any point are you unable to walk away and leave if it no longer serves you or if it harms you in any way. So I think that that's important to realize too, is never get comfortable. You know, when you go to the grocery store, when you go to the market, I mean, you were very blessed that that guy was Mm -hmm. so sweet and that I love that cute interaction, you know, but, um, you know, even when you go to the grocery store, don't be comfortable. Don't assume that, you know, you're not going to get hurt or some, Mm -hmm. you know, anything bad could happen. And I I think it's just very important for you to not only enjoy the journey, but in the same token, just be very aware, always be aware. Yeah.
0: And I, I understand that. And I feel like that's very valid just to keep, you know, keep your guard up in that sense. But even what you said too, about the marriage. Yeah. I think a lot of people, because of the culture here and how everyone's like till death do us part and, you know, it's just this whole traditional, very large gesture. Um, I think it's important to, yeah, remember that just because you said "I do" doesn't mean you can't change your mind, even if it's five months after. like it's okay. It's your life. You don't have to feel guilty because, you know, even how you said of like the wedding, of letting people down, of it it is your life. You, as an individual, are the only person guaranteed with you every single day on this earth. So do not live it for anybody else, but you, even if that comes off selfish, fuck it, be selfish. You got to look out for you first. you know what I mean? Like that's my motto. I'm looking out for me first because a lot of people never did that. The people that were supposed to did not do that. And so I have to do that. So if that means we're a little extra guarded, I think that's warranted. And I think, I think our therapist would agree with us. I agree. <laughs> oh man, this has been this has been really beautiful conversation like learning about your experiences, learning about where you're at now and how you've overcome it. I'm honestly, I'm very proud of you and I'm just thinking if there's anything else that I would like to ask, is there anything else that you'd like to like leave us with and share and I guess what would you recommend for women who are in the same position as you, similar who have been through this and are, you know, either in it still trying to leave or maybe just left, like what would you suggest their first steps be fresh out of a relationship like that?
1: Yeah, good question. I mean, I think, um, well, first and foremost, I mean, if you feel like you or someone you love is in a DV situation, please familiarize yourself with your region's local resources. There are so many resources you would not even think, not only like housing, but also, you know, legal help as well. Uh, Women like me who are in a divorce, you know, they will cover all of that. You have so much help and so many Mm -hmm. resources. So always like familiarize yourself with those. Um, And then, you know, when you do eventually make it out, um, just know that sometimes... the the healing hurts more than than the actual effect right and um it's just you have to feel it don't suppress those emotions allow yourself to Mm -hmm. feel them um because those are the things that are going to teach you that's how you heal you cannot put a band-aid on trauma you know it, it just won't work so just be be kind to yourself allow yourself to feel and um it'll get better just just take it one day at a time. That's my best advice. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And you know me, I'm coming back with the everybody needs to go to therapy. thing. <laughs> therapy is a good one too, you know. Um, for me in my own experience, coming out of traumatic situations, coming out of relationships that were unhealthy, for me, getting sober was big because I feel like sometimes alcohol can blur your emotions and it can also add additional pain that's not there. Um, so sometimes sobriety, you know, I say sometimes because I think everybody's on their own journey and I don't want to force anybody to do anything they don't want to do. But for me personally, it was one of the best things I did after healing because it sped up the healing process. I wasn't suppressing it with anything. I was feeling it raw for a shorter period of time versus like little bits here and there on a more drawn out spectrum, if that makes sense. So if you're able to, I would recommend that. Plus, if you're coming out of a relationship where, you know, obviously your psyche has just been severely abused, adding anything that can maybe make it more amplified or your emotions more amplified could be very dangerous for you and your health and your decision making, you know, at that point. But also I get it coming from somebody who is an addict and I when you're in that much pain, you just don't want to be. And drinking is like a very easy reach or drugs too to numb it. But coming from someone who's been on both sides that is that is my piece of advice that I would leave you with um and yeah is there anything that you wanted to any last words any last thoughts anything that we missed I wish that people could just like call in and ask questions right now. I got to get on that one day. That'd be cool. (laughs) Because I'm sure there's unique questions that people have. Um, But we can also open a question box. So on my website, www.fullmindedpodcast.com, you can ask any questions you'd like. And they can be anonymous. And, you know, I always say I'll answer them on the podcast so if you guys have any specific questions for Morgan for myself for us to maybe get back on the mic and do another episode if we've got a handful of questions we can do that we can answer your questions for you um so yeah you guys can submit those anytime so we can we can leave it like that but what are you thinking any any final words my love
1: that's really it for me. I just, I want to thank you guys again for listening to my story. And Alyssa, thank you for inviting me to be a part of such an impactful project. Um, stay vigilant and love yourself. Oh, I love that.
0: That's cute. And then do you want to leave uh, maybe your social media if you feel comfortable? Um, maybe somebody could reach out to you if they had a question for you personally that they didn't want us to answer on the podcast, but maybe they just wanted to speak to you. If you're comfortable with that, you could leave your your handle. Um, I can leave it in the site notes as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, If anyone needs to reach out or even just needs someone to listen, um, you can follow me, reach out to me on Instagram. My handle is morgan.m. Perfect.
0: And I will be sharing the TikTok video, if that's okay with you, Morgan, um, in the link on the website too, underneath your episode. So this video she created it was a couple of years ago now and it went very viral and it was just basically, actually, if you want to articulate the video, I feel like you do a better job. It is yours.
1: Yeah. Um, I tried to make it, um, as a message, you know, to send to people because one of my main things was that people were always just saying how perfect and how jealous they were of my relationship. And so the video is just like a cinematic illustration of, you know, you don't know what's going on behind closed mm-hmm. doors. So I do encourage you guys to give it a watch. Um, however, uh, make sure you are in the right headspace because it is a little bit graphic yes. towards the end. So um just kind of be kind to yourself and yeah, watch it. be <laughs>
0: mindful of it. Um and we'll post a trigger warning when we have that on the website as well. But yeah, I, I ball every time I've ever watched it. I I literally can't even get a grip. I'm it just breaks my heart. Breaks my heart that anyone went through that. Um and it's just it's, but it's amazing to see where you're at now. And I think it's giving everybody, myself included, hope that, you know, you can always heal from whatever life throws at you, no matter how tough it is. But thank you so much for being a guest. I appreciate this. It's been such a beautiful conversation. A lot of tears, a couple laughs. And yeah, it's it's been amazing, Morgan. So thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing your story with everyone.
1: Thank you all as well.
0: Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I loved having you. If you wish to support this podcast, please follow us so you never miss an episode. You can also find us on social media at Full Minded Podcast. Please visit our website at www.fullmindedpodcast.com to submit all your questions. If you wish to be a guest on this podcast, please fill out the form on our website to apply. Your continued support means the world, so thank you again for taking the time out of your day to tune into Full Minded with Elisabetta. Until next time, be kind to yourselves and remember that there is power in owning our imperfect and messy lives. It's all a part of the human experience and you're not alone in it.